you open up your bulletin, you're going to find the connection card, blue and white card, and this is your opportunity to fill it out as much as you like, and um, so the way in which we can have some connection with you, and on the back there are different things, if you'd like to check, please do so. Uh, where's Bob? Is Bob Smith here? Bob Smith? Bob here? I know he taught the Sunday school class. He's ditching my sermon. What is this guy? <laughs> anyway, um, I know that we uh, uh, have a luncheon coming up, and so I just didn't know what, uh, how come it's not on here. Andrew, do you know why it's not on here? Oh, reservations are closed. Well, that's a good thing. Excuse me, I just shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> okay, and as you're doing that, I'll share with you some of the announcements. Uh, today at uh, 1.30, it's uh, Dallas Cowboys playing the Green Bay Packers. Uh, <laughs> oh, and that's not on here. Excuse me. Uh, let's see. We have a uh, food and fellowship after service today. We have um, next Sunday of mission sharing, women's ministry. We have this. Sewing the pillowcases for children coming up. Child dedication, uh, just different things on the back here. Now let me share with you something, and uh, let me share with you some very sad news. And um, uh, this, and what I'm going to share with you supersedes anything on the back of this bulletin when we think of uh, uh, the days coming up. But some of you may have heard that Mel Sashiki of our church passed away on Thursday. He went to be with the Lord on Thursday after a long battle with, with Parkinson's. It was, it was, I don't know if it's ever really diagnosed definitely Parkinson's, but it was an a illness that was very close to it. And Mel was a, a, and God used him in a very special way in this church. So as we uh, get closer to a funeral date, I know that Melinda, his wife, will, will uh, talk to me and will reserve the church here for our coming Saturday and I'll definitely keep you posted on that. But I invite you to, to pray for the Sashiki family from Melinda, Julie, Andy, Allen, and uh, just keep them in your prayers. Uh, it's been a long battle for Mel, and he's finally home with the Lord. Okay. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, we've been crawling through Ephesians. You guys are thinking, my gosh, we're still in Ephesians? Yes, and we are going to be in Ephesians for quite a while. Look, we're still in chapter 1. And we are purposely going through this in a very slow pace because Ephesians is a book, uh, let's say an epistle, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus that is just packed, just packed full of, of really good spiritual teaching, things that we, we look upon as doctrine building. They're truths that, that we base our, our foundational beliefs as Christians on many of the things that are written in Ephesians. So we're going through it pretty, pretty slow, and there'll be days when we're going to maybe uh, digress from that. But generally speaking, we're going to be going through Ephesians fairly slow and, and just zeroing in on a lot of the spiritual truth in this book. Okay, so if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 14, I'm going to read that. You'll see it on the screen above my head here. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, 
who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you as we uh, read these truths. We are just reminded in such a clear way through Paul's words of, of the incredible blessing uh, of, of salvation, the incredible blessing of, of sonship in you. Uh, and it's all because of Jesus. So bless us. Uh, just, just mind our hearts and minds why we are here on Sunday morning. Praise and worship you. Bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and that's the question. What in the world are you doing here? Do you always understand why you do what you do? I mean, let's think about it. Sunday morning, why aren't you gardening? Why aren't you home getting ready for the football games coming up today? Why aren't you home sleeping? Now, I don't mind if you guys sleep. I want you to know that. If you sleep here, I imagine that you need to sleep. So just sleep. We'll wake you up when it's lunchtime. Okay? See, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in this text we're going to read today, he reminds those in the church what God is doing, how God is doing it, and why in the world do you come together as a body of Christ? Why do you come together as believers? We're going to dive right into this, and let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 11, and let's just read verse 11. It says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I love that. I, I love being reminded that in all the chaos and all the division and all the uproar we see around us, that God is still in control. And here Paul looks at, he, he starts off in this verse by saying, in him. Now we have to realize that the church in Ephesus is kind of like us here, with varied backgrounds, varied ethnicities. We're, we're a mixture here. And so Paul is, is focusing uh, on, on something very common. Because in these two verses of 11 and 12, realize that as we go through these first two verses, Paul is focusing on the Jews. Now remember, Paul himself was a Jew, right? And so just he's focusing on the Jews. So the things he's saying is directly at the Jewish believers in the church in Ephesus. He goes in, he, in verses 11 and 12. That's who he's, he's zeroing in on. The Jews, not the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? They're like us, non-Jewish people, right? Non-Jewish people. But he says, in him, Paul is emphasizing that even though the Jews are the chosen, even though the Jews are, are, are from the line of Abraham, and even though the Jews believed the, and, and, and walked with the laws of Moses, he's saying, you Jews, you are saved, you are beloved by God only because of your faith in Christ alone. Level playing field. You don't have an advantage. 
You Jews don't have an advantage. Even though you're considered God's chosen, you can read about your lineage from Genesis 12 going forward all the way up to present-day Palestine today. You have no advantage. You, just like everyone else, in him you are saved, not because of anything else. You know, when we put that to us, when we think about that, we can, we can think of a lot of things. It's not because you went to Sunday school as a kid. It's not because your grandpa was a pastor. It's not because you were baptized by your youth director that you are a Christian. It's through what you believe, and you have to believe in him. You are saved because you are in him. You are in Christ. That's it. You add to it, you're wrong. You take away from that, you're wrong. It's in him. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It's what do you believe right now. But then Paul goes on to say, how how does God do this? Look, Look at verse 12. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So, so, so how is God doing this? It, it, there's an order to it. There's an order. He, Paul is speaking about the fellow Jews saying, hey, you Jews, even though you were the first to believe, even though Jesus came here and you were the first ones to receive that salvation, You were the first before the Gentiles. Realize it's still all about him. But you were the first ones Jesus came to. And we read that. When we read the New Testament, that's very clear. Jesus said, first to the Jews and then to the Gentile, right? First to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. We have to realize that 400 years prior to the birth of Christ, there was silence in Israel. I just want to set the stage a little bit for you. Now, Paul's reminding the Jews that remember that for 400 years, 400 centuries, our people, the Jews, not a word was spoken to the prophets. For 400 years, that's older than the United States. For four centuries, no miracles took place. So what happened is that because of that, Judaism was basically spiritually dead. And their faith, their, 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 their religion was taken over by basically corrupt men. And spirituality was seen only in a very few, hand, a very small handful of people that we refer to as the remnant. They were called the remnant. You, you ladies who sew, what's a remnant? That's what's left over. It's a small piece of a bigger whole, right? And so, so the remnant, there's always that spiritual remnant, a people, person who believes where the greater whole does not. And though they're the remnant, those were the spiritually people who responded. They responded eagerly to the teachings of Jesus. So when you look at it all during that 400 years, everything the religious leaders said just rang hollow to the people. So they were spiritually starving. Then suddenly what happens? Boom! Angels come at Bethlehem. Bam! The shepherds say, oh my gosh, look, the Messiah has come. Years gone. Boom! John the Baptist is born. Goes out into the wilderness. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Then, wow, Jesus starts his ministry. And people are saying, wow, who is this guy? 
the remnant responded. The remnant responded. See, today, who's a remnant? You may be. Maybe you're one of the few people in your family who knows Jesus. Maybe you're one of the few people at your workplace that knows Jesus. Maybe you're one of the few people in your study group that knows Jesus. You're that remnant. You're that one that Jesus, that God is saying, I want to use you. I want to use you because your heart's ready. Your, heart is, your heart's already received the truth. You've got to do something about it. I have you here for a reason. Do you pray for your unsaved relatives? Do you pray for the people in your community that, 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 that they're wondering, why in the world are you going every Sunday morning? See, we many times are that remnant. And God wants us to be like that remnant in, of Israel when Jesus came. They received, and they were the spark plug. They were, the, they were that, like that match that set fire to that forest. They were the first one. You know, my wife was the first believer amongst, amongst us. Uh, there was no one in my family that knew the Lord. And, and my wife, when, when, uh, she was the first believer between the two of us. And, you know, when, when my wife came to the Lord, our marriage was crumbling. Our marriage was going south. And I knew that big problem is she needed to change. I wasn't that blind. I kind of knew, too. I got to did a little bit of changing. But she accepted the Lord at a home Bible study, and her change was so radical and so quick that it just took me off guard. She responded to me in a completely different way. She dealt with, when we were heading toward conflict, she dealt with it in a completely different way. And I couldn't think of any other reason why she would do this except for that night when she prayed to accept Christ. And actually, I'll be honest with you, it took an additional year of weekly Bible studies for me to come around, but, but praise the Lord, I did. See, and in many families, that's how God works. That one person. God works one by one. He always has, and he always will, and it's the most effective way. One by one. See, we're like the trophy of God's mantle. You ever go into a house, and you go into this house, and there on the, tr- on the mantle above the fireplace or wherever on the shelf, there's this beautiful trophy. You know what? You can't help but want to go read it and find out what it's for, right? Gosh, what this person win something for? This person, this, what in the world could it be for, you know, cleaning yards or something, I don't know. But you're curious, you're curious, what's that trophy for? And see, that's kind of how we are in this world. God, we are God's trophy. People look at your life, and people hear what you say, and people see how you respond in situations, and they want to know why. That's good. That's what it's for. That's why we're there. That's, we are that remnant. We are like the light in the darkness. You just don't want to be part of the darkness. You want to be the light in the darkness, right? And God can use us in this way. That's what the remnant, the Jews were. They were the ones who stood up amongst their people and said, hey, we believe. We believe. Let's go on. 
How does God do this? We see that process, right? God is not a God of, 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 of disorder and chaos. God has, has order always. When you read Genesis, you see that order of creation. You know, so how does God do this in regards to the church, in regards to your life and my life and the lives of the people in this world? Look at verse 13. Paul goes on and says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there. See, Paul writes, and you also were included in Christ. Paul's writing that church in Ephesus, right? And now he's focusing on the Gentiles. He's saying, okay, the Jews, the Jews, we serve Christ. You know, Jesus told us about salvation first. We're the first. But you also, you Gentiles, you also were included. You also were included in Christ. He's writing to people like us, the non-Jewish believers. The remnant of Jews were the first to, to believe, but hey, Paul is saying, just remember, God loves you too. And so you're included when you believe in Christ. See, one thing we see here is that we notice throughout the Bible, God has that order. It was the Jews first and then the Gentiles. And that common ground of Jesus Christ is what joined the two worlds together. Joined the two worlds together. Faith. In Christ alone. And I always say alone. It had nothing to do with what you did, it has nothing to do with what you will do. It's faith in Christ alone. Think about it then. Think about it if there's no Bible. Think about it, because that's how it was back in the old days. There was no Bible, there's no mass communication in any ways. It's just like I said, it was primarily one to one. And so he starts off by saying, you heard it. You heard. You heard that truth. How did you hear the truth? You know, uh, let me share with you how I first heard the truth. I went to Sunday school at a really early age, but I went to a church that didn't really make the truth clear, so I didn't understand anything about this thing about salvation and, and need to accept Christ and all that. didn't hear that before. But when I was in high school, my senior year, and I've shared this a couple of times with, with you who've been in the church a while, I had a friend who used to deliver 500 LA Times newspapers every morning. Think about it. Your high school year, every morning you delivered 500 LA Times newspapers before you went to class. Seven days a week. So he was an athlete too. I played football with him, so after football season, I said, hey, Daryl, I'm going to try to help you out. So Friday nights, he'd come to my house, and, and we'd just stay up talking until about 2 in the morning. And that's when we'd have to go to this first spot, load up papers, we'd deliver them. Then we'd go to a second spot, load up papers, deliver them. You know, he, he, he couldn't, his car couldn't fit 500 papers. But it's during those times he'd come over to my place, and we'd stay up till 2 in the morning. Every time, he'd somehow turn the conversation around to Jesus. He was a new Christian. Just started going to a church, a church just down the, down the 210 freeway there, Lake Avenue Congregational. And uh, he was excited about his faith, and he wanted me to hear about it. And I didn't care at all. But I listened because I saw his life change. And that was the first time I really heard the gospel. 
But you know, hearing isn't enough. Paul says what? Having believed. Having believed. Hearing is never enough. You can tell a child who you're blue in the face that that iron is hot. Don't touch it. But unless that child believes it, eventually that child is going to touch it. Same way with your salvation. Same way with being a Christian. You have to hear, and then from there, you have to take that step of believing. And, and beloved, know that God's going to help you because the Bible tells us he provides faith for us to believe, but also understand he gives us free will and that human responsibility to make that choice. And you know why? Because he doesn't want blind allegiance. He wants love. He wants a loving relationship. And you know, you know just as well as I know, you, no one's going to force you to love. They can put a gun to your head, but they can't force you to love. It has to be a choice. So the believing is the key. The believing is the key that crosses you over. Think about this. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in a very clear way that we're sinners and God is holy. Do you believe that? Okay, let's go on. The Bible says very clearly that Jesus came to save us from this place called hell. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's an existence of a heaven and hell? Do you believe that Jesus came to save us from the number two? Okay. The Bible says that the solution is to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. See, you can know all that, but don't think you're saved. You've got to truly believe it right here. You've got to truly believe it. And the beauty of Christianity, the beauty of the, of, of, that I think that, that, that really runs through the Christian faith is we're not talking about believing a list of rules or ideology. We're talking about believing that it's possible for us to have a personal relationship with the living God. That's what's amazing. I, I, I hope that that is always amazing to you. Because when that starts to lose its amazement, I'll tell you, you start thinking, why do I come here on Sunday? You've got to hold on to that. You've got to be refreshed to that once in a while. It's that it's a living, loving relationship with a God who loved you even though you don't deserve to be loved. Then Paul goes on and he says in his text here, what does he say? He said, and marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. A lot of times we as, you know, the Pentecostal churches are really great. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a, like a, a Pentecostal church or full gospel church where they really focus a lot on the Holy Spirit. It is, you know, some of these, some of these churches are a lot more noisier than you guys. Yeah. And it's fun, you know, and it's great. And it's wor- uh, you know, not to say you guys aren't fun, but, but you know, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit can, can just kind of take over sometimes. And, and I, I think it's great. And what Paul is saying here is that he reminds us that we all have the Holy Spirit. We all have the Spirit of God. Not only in us, but Paul says he seals us. What does that mean? You know, sealing, like, it's almost like um, the, the, the classic, classic example is that back in the times of um, the, 
the Middle Ages, you know, the, the king used to write a, a letter or something, or a decree, and he'd fold it up and he'd seal it. He'd, put, he'd drip on this hot wax right there at the, where the paper is, is, ends. And then in that, in that soft wax, he'll get his, his ring and press it in there, and it shows the insignia of the king. And, and that's kind of how we are sealed, too. That the Holy Spirit is like the king's insignia on us. The Holy Spirit, when God sees you, he says, you're one of mine because you have the Holy Spirit. I like to think the Holy Spirit is, the, is our spiritual DNA. And we are identified as God's kid through our, whole, our, our spiritual DNA, that Holy Spirit. Look at verse 14. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Here Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is like, almost like more than, than, he's more than just that stamp that proves you as a child. It is like your ticket to get into the kingdom. Disneyland. Gosh, it takes a fortune to get into that place now. But you know, Disneyland, if you go to Disneyland, if you're like me, a lot of times you'll want to leave Disneyland to go eat at a cheaper place. Okay. Now, you may go out of Disneyland to go to your car to get your jacket. You may go out of Disneyland just to walk around through downtown Disney. You may go out of Disneyland just to get out of Disneyland and just kind of go someplace else. But before you leave, what do you got to have? You got to have that stamp on your hand. And no matter what you do after you get out, you are guaranteed a re-enter into the kingdom. And basically, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our stamp, our spiritual stamp, that when the day comes when we do breathe our last, when the day comes and God says, my beloved, it's time to come home, man, you are going home. There is absolutely no doubt where you're going to be. There will be people who will miss you dearly. There will be this a sad, sad, sad time. I hate death. I've had to deal with death ever since being in the ministry. I hate death. But that consolation is we know where our loved ones are going. Absolutely no doubt. And it's because partly of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it on the cross, but we have the Holy Spirit as our, our ticket to get into the kingdom. No questions asked. You are welcome. You're there. And that's a wonderful thing that Paul's reminding us of, that we each have that stamp. We each have that stamp. And there's no doubt what's going to happen when God calls us. So the question comes down to, why in the world are you here today? See, Paul, Paul is saying all of this that he's presented to the Ephesians in these four little short verses, it all is from God. All the work of the cross that we talk about, we talk about every first Sunday we have communion and, and, and we commemorate the, the death and, and, the, and the shedding of blood of Christ. It's all from God. 
the opportunity you had to hear the gospel for the first time and the hope, help of the Holy Spirit for you to believe that this crazy story about sin and, 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 and holiness made sense all through God. The faith to believe is from God. And it's all because of what? Because he loves us. It all has to boils back down to love. One word. It has nothing to do with what you have done. It has nothing to do with what you will do. And that's why Paul concluded by writing to the praise of his glory. And that's why we're here. I hope that's why you're here. I hope you're here because you understand how much God has done for you. And you are here and you're saying, praise the Lord. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm coming together. You want us to come together as your body. And so here I am. And Lord, I'm here. And I may not like that song they're singing leading today. I may, even not, I may not even agree with what the dumb guy up here is talking about. But I'm here for you. Because I understand what you've done for me. And I understand what you're going to continue doing for me. I understand that I am here with a purpose that you want to use me in this world. And because of that, I praise you, I worship you. Let's pray. Father, as we've been, we go through this book of of Ephesians, Father, it's, just, it's really just amazing, Lord, as we go through these, uh, these writings of Paul and how the truth that, that, that from, of your truth comes through his writings in such a, uh, a way in which we can see that, yes, the truth is true today as it was back then. All you've done and all because of your love, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Help us, Father, to never lose sight of that. Help us, Father, to be that remnant. Help us, Father, to be that, that voice for you to help you, to help you be known by this world. Thank you, Lord. We ask that we be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.